Well, good morning, church. Glad you're here this morning. Before we jump into it, I want to do something that is super, super important. We have some special and honored people in the room today, and they happen to be wearing either cheer outfits from Upper Basketball or basketball outfits. So we have Charlotte, Lila, JD, and uh, Levi. You guys want to stand up unless I have anybody else I'm missing? They all participated in Upward Basketball and cheerleading this year and had a great time, right? Okay, good. Okay, so I should have bribed them beforehand. All right, you guys can have a seat. We're so glad they're here. And so as soon as church is over, they're jumping back to the Oviedo campus. They have a big program for them there. I'll just tell you, I love it that our church has a program for people that can learn skills of like a sport, but teach them God's word in the process and teach them that the most important thing is not how well you shoot a basketball or how loud you can cheer, but how much you fall in love with Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? And so I'm thankful for that. Now, we've been in the series called Rebuild, and we started this series uh, several weeks ago, and we said ultimately Nehemiah was given the task by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And hopefully what we found out over the last four weeks, that it wasn't just about rebuilding walls, right? It was about rebuilding a mindset, a mindset of their identity and, and the relationship with the Lord, a mindset about their purpose, and a mindset about their mission. And I just want to say this to you once again, is that I pray as we go through the book of Nehemiah, that it would help us build, and maybe for some of us, rebuild our sense of identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, but it also help us rebuild a sense of purpose that we are called to be salt and light in this world, but ultimately help us rebuild this sense of mission that we've called to go make disciples of everyone, to go reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I hope as we go through this, we once again are rebuilding who we are in Christ, our purpose, and our mission. And we say that this rebuilding process begins with, first of all, realigning our hearts to the Lord. And then it moves from there to responding to the opportunities that God is the one who puts in front of us. And then we talked about reinforcing the purpose we have. And last week we talked about refocusing the mission that God has for us, that we need to refocus on that if we're going to rebuild this mindset. Now today I want to talk about another word, and you probably figured it out, all of them start with R-E, right? And the word I want us to look at today is the word renew. Because I feel like if we're really going to rebuild this mindset of our identity in Christ, our purpose in Christ, and our mission for Christ, that there's got to be a sense of renewal in us. That we've got to be willing to renew our devotion and our loyalty to the Lord. In fact, uh, if, you know, being a pastor, I've been in ministry almost 30 years now, probably the last 20 years, there's been something that really has kind of become very popular among Christian couples that are married, uh, especially if they've been married for a lot of years, and one of those is vow renewal. Anybody ever been to a vow renewal service? Yeah, many, many people do that. I asked Sonny, so would you want to do that when we're like married 50 years? And guess what our answer was? No, I've already done it once. That was good enough for me. And so, so we won't be doing that. But I mean, you know, vow renewal is a really cool time because it's a time to redeclare your love and your devotion to one another. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, the, really there are a couple scenarios you see vow renewals in Christian marriages. One is if there's been infidelity and they're trying to work this thing out, it can be kind of a fresh start for that couple. And I've seen those. But like for my mom and dad, it was a sense of they've been married for 50 years and they wanted to do it just to say, hey, listen, we've gone through 50 years of our love and devotion and we want to redeclare that together and we want to move forward. And so vow renewal has become kind of a big deal in the church life for many, many people. Now I say that because of this. As I think about vow renewal, I think, you know, I really believe in the heart and life of a believer that we ought to have vow renewal as a part of the rhythm of our life as Christians, right? Not to necessarily one another, but renewing our commitments, our loyalty, and our devotion 
to the Lord, right? I mean, I really feel like renewal is something that needs to be part of our life if we're going to rebuild this mindset. And here's why. Because when we renew ourselves to the Lord, when we renew our commitments, our loyalty, and our devotion to him, it, for, first of all, it helps us rediscover kind of God's love for us. You know why renewing helps us rediscover that? Because when you renew something, you take time and you pause and you remember, don't you? Like I remember my mom and dad, when they were going to do their vow renewal ceremony, we sit down, they've been married 50 years, and my mom wanted to do it. My dad was all like on board because my mom wanted to do it, and so he was like, sure. And, and I remember them telling the stories of their wedding and stories of the day and the stories of how my dad was very ornery and, and almost missed some things in life. And so we just go through this memory trail, and it was like, it was sweet because they were able to remember the beauty of the love they had for one another. And I think if we really renew ourselves to the Lord, our devotion and our commitment to him, part of that is us remembering how God has loved us, right? When we sit back and we remember, it helps us rediscover how much God loves us, what he has done for us. It reminds us how faithless we are and how faithful he is, amen? And so not only does it help us rediscover how God loves us, it also helps us redeclare our devotion and our love to the Lord. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say this morning, I think renewal is something that has to be part of our life if we're going to rebuild this mindset that we've been talking about. In fact, I think renewal is exactly what we see in Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning. And as we look at this, here's what we're going to discover is what are some elements that need to be present in our life if we're going to have a heart to renew? What are some elements that have to be present in our life if we're really going to have a desire to renew our loyalty and our devotion to the Lord? And there's really four things I want you to notice today. And here's the first one. It's found in verse 1. It says this in verse chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into a square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law to Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Now go back. It says, and they told Ezra. Now, here's the point. The first thing that needs to be present in our life, if we're going to be, prepare ourselves to renew, is there has to be a hunger for God's word. There has to be a hunger for God's word. Now, you look at the story here. What you see is the wall has been built, right? We talked about that last week. Chapter 6, 52 days, which John said it was possible. I'm not sure it is possible to us to do that. But, but 52 days, they built a wall. God used them, and they built a wall. And the wall has been built, and now these people have gathered together, to get together, and they have commanded Ezra. Listen, they didn't request of Ezra, who was a priest. They didn't, you know, submit a, you know, a kind of, hey, do you mind bringing the book of the law? They told Ezra to bring it. Now, what was the book of the law? Well, many would tell you this, that the book of the law was the five, first five books of the Old Testament. That's what they're referring to here. The Greeks would have called it the Pentateuch, and the Jews would have called it the Torah. They may be words that you've heard before, Pentateuch or Torah, but it's referring to the first five books. And so it said, Ezra, we want you to bring the word, the book of the law to us for it to be read. Now, they didn't ask him. They didn't make a request of him. They told him. They're like, look, Ezra, we are so thirsty and we are so hungry for God's word. We want you to bring the book. We're not asking you, we're telling you. We want you to bring the book, Ezra, and as you as the priest, we want you to read it. Now, you think about it. These people were hungry to hear God's word. 
Maybe they were hungry because they wanted to hear the stories of their ancestors. Hear the stories how God heard their cries in Egypt and how God had rescued them. Heard the stories of how when they got to the Red Sea and the waters were there and how God parted the waters. Maybe they wanted to hear that. Maybe they wanted to hear how God was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Maybe they wanted to hear the stories of how God had over and over and over rescued his people just like he done here, right? Remember who these people were. They were in captivity, right? In Babylon, the Persian Empire had taken over. Now they've made their way back. Their captivity is over, and I'm sure they wanted to hear the stories of how God was faithful, how God had rescued their ancestors just like God had rescued them. Maybe they wanted to hear the law. They said, why would they want to hear the law? Because the law was always a picture. Listen, I want you to hear me say this clearly. The law was never designed to make someone, if you keep the law, was never designed to put you in right standing with God. It was never designed to do that. The law was never designed that if you keep it, you can be in right standing with God. The law was always designed to show you what holiness looked like. That's what the law was for. The law was because God wanted his people to be set apart and different. And so here's how you do it. Thou shalt honor thy father, thy mother. You shouldn't steal, kill, you honor God. I mean, the whole Ten Commandments, I mean, all the laws that were given was always designed to paint a picture about what holiness looked like. Maybe they wanted to hear the law. Maybe they wanted to hear the Ten Commandments reread because they're reminded that for the first time in a long time in their history, God is on the throne of their hearts and their worship, that they've not given in to idolatry at this point, and they've renewed their mind, renewed their heart, and renewed their devotion to the Lord. They were hungered to hear God's word. Maybe they hungered to hear God's word because they finally, for the first time in a long time, understood the value of God's word. Maybe they finally got to the place where, like, listen, God's word is so pivotal and it has authority over my life. In fact, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, let's throw it up on the screen if we can. It says this, Paul said this to Timothy, all, let's just read this together. You ready? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. See, I think when I studied the Old Testament for one of the first times in their history, they got this. For one of the first times in their history, they're like, you know what? We need God's word. We have a hunger for God's word. We want to hear the stories of rescue. We want to hear the stories of redemption. We want to hear the stories how God wants us to live a life holy. We want to hear the stories of how valuable his word is to our lives and that it's an authority over us. They were hungry for his word. And I guess here's the question we all have to ask. How hungry are we? How hungry are we for God's word in our life? How hungry are we? Let's go back to 2 Timothy 3.16 if we can. How many of us really understand the profit of God's word? That it profits us. How many of us understand that God's word is good for teaching us the right way to live? How many of us understand that it's good for reproof and correction and training? How many of us really look at this word and when we wake up every morning, all we feel is a sense of hunger to get into this so we can get more of what God has for us into our lives? How many of us hunger this. In fact, many of you right now, your stomach's beginning to turn because you're already feeling the hunger pains because you didn't eat breakfast this morning and you can't wait to beat the Methodist to lunch, right? And so you're so hungry right now. How many of us hunger? I don't miss talking about an appetite. I'm talking about how many of us are starving for God's word in our life? Israel was. Israel had been in captivity. Israel had been slaves. God had delivered them. Their home 
the walls built. And in this first verse, they told Ezra. I have it underlined in my Bible. They told him, bring the law. Bring the book of the law. We are hungry for God's word. See, I want you to understand this, that renewal requires a hunger for God's word. We will never renew our devotion and our loyalty to the Lord if there is not a hunger in our hearts for his word. Now, I want to say something. I want you to hear me really clearly this morning. For some of you, you may be honest today and say, you know what, Doug? I feel disconnected. I feel disenfranchised. And I feel distant from the Lord. And if that's you, let me just say this. Is it possible because there's not a hunger for his word in your heart this morning? That that's why you're disconnected. That that's why you feel distant. That's why you feel disenfranchised. And so if we're going to have a heart to renew, it requires having a hunger for God's word. If you believe that, say amen. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says this, so Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who understood, could understand what they had heard, on the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early in the morning until midday in the presence of men and women and those who could understand. And all the ears of the people, underline it, were, what's that word? Attentive to the book of the law. Here's the second thing it requires. It not only does it require a hunger for God's word, it requires an attentiveness to God's word. It says that Ezra came out and he read the book of the law from morning to midday, probably six or seven hours, he read it. Now, he would not have had time, we'll get to this in a minute, he would not have had time to read all five books of the Torah or the Pentateuch. So he probably read different snippets of it. We'll talk about and speculate maybe what that was. But when he read it, it says that there was an attentiveness to it. Do you know what attentiveness means? It means they hung on every word. Have you ever watched a movie and you hung on every moment in the movie to the end? Anybody ever been like that? Come on. It's all right. It's okay. You can admit it today. I know you're in church. It's all right. And when you got to the end, maybe for some of you, there was an epic disappointment at the end, right? But you hung on every word, every moment. That's what it means to be attentive. These people hung on every word that was being said. But not just what was said, also what was being taught. Look in verse 8. It says, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense. In other words, they explained it so that people understood the reading. So it wasn't like they just were hearing the word and they were paying attention. It was also when they would pause and someone would interpret it and tell them what was the verse talking about, what the passage was talking about. They were attentive to all of that. They were hanging on to every word. Now, attentiveness not only means hanging on to every word, but it means to hang on to every word with the goal to obey. Now, don't miss that, church. Attentiveness doesn't just mean I'm dialed in. It means I'm dialed in with the intention to obey what I'm hearing. That's a big difference, isn't it? In fact, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 7, didn't he? He said, he talks about those who are, you know, blessed are those who hear my word and do them. For like the man who built their house upon the rock, but foolish are those who hear my words and don't do them. It's like a man built his house upon the sand. So there's one thing to be locked into what God's word is saying. It's another thing to be attentive where you're locked in with the intent to obey. So here's a really easy question for you this morning. When you walk through those curtains a while ago and you're sitting down and you're hearing the word of God read, are we being attentive to the word of God? Are we dialed in? And I would say all of you go, yeah, I'm dialed in this morning. Great. Are we dialed in with the heartbeat that says, I'm dialed in so that when I leave here, I can obey what I've heard? Listen, we have to have an attentiveness 
to God's word. Now, why do you think they were attentive? I, I, I like to ask questions all the time when I'm reading scripture. Why do you think they were attentive? I think it's because when they heard the, the book of the law read, they were reminded of how easy it is to drift from the Lord. They were reminded how easy it is to go back to their old ways of idolatry, their old ways of rebellion. They were reminded that what they needed more than anything else was God's direction and guidance in their life. And they were attentive. They paid careful attention with the heart to obey. And I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is, how attentive are we? How attentive are we to God's word? Now, I'm not saying, I mean, all of you are dialed in. All of you are listening and all of you are paying attention. Only a few of you are sleeping. I mean, I mean, you are dialed in this morning. Some of you master the art of sleeping with your eyes wide open, right? And so you're dialed in. But how many of us really have this attentiveness that I'm dialed in with the intent to obey it? You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you know what every word means? Every word, right. We need to hang on every word. And I'm just telling you, if we're going to have a spirit of renewal within us, it requires an attentiveness to God's word. Let me give you a third thing that means. We know we need to have a hunger for God's word and attentiveness to God's word. Here's the third thing. Look at me in verse 5 and 6. It says this, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Listen, don't miss this. He opens the book inside of all the people, for he was above all the people. He's on a platform, actually. And he opened it all the people, and all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen and amen. Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. Here's a third thing that we have to have if we're going to have the spirit of renewal. Not just a hunger for God's word, not just an attentiveness to God's word. We have to have a high view of God's word. I'm talking about reverence and respect. This last week, this last Thursday, Rachel, Patrick, Alejandra, and Elijah and I were planning our next series coming up in about a month or so on Colossians, and we were talking, and Patrick brought something up that I, kind of caught me off guard, and, and then I went back and started researching it, and there's a church, and you've probably seen it by now, I think Randy posted on his uh, Facebook page, there's a church in Nashville, Tennessee, Grace Point Church, that calls themselves Christian Progressives, and here's what they say. I mean, literally, the pastor said this. He said, we do not believe the word of God is the word of God. We do not believe that it's infallible. We do not believe that it's inerrant. We believe this, that it's an ancient text that was built and created by a community of people, and basically it's a good roadmap, but it's not the authority for how we live our lives. And I thought to myself, one day, now listen, I've got a lot that I'm going to stand accountable for, but one day that pastor is going to stand before a holy God and give an account for the shallowness which he drifted toward the word of God as being not the word of God. And I'm just telling you today, I don't care where you, where you stood in the past, this pastor and this church stands on this truth. This is the word of God. This is the authority by which we live our lives. We don't worship this book. We worship the God who wrote this book. And this is how I live my life. We will stand on the truth of his word. Even when it breaks our toes, we will stand on the truth of God's word. And so there was, with these people, there was a high view of God's of God's word. Listen to what they did. First thing they did was they stood. Some of you probably wonder, Pastor Doug, sometimes when you read shorter passage, why do you say, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word? This is why. 
Because in ancient times, when you stood for royalty, you stood for something to matter. Now when you stand, sometimes you bow. It just depends on what culture you're in. And then when the word of God was opened up, they all stood with reverence to the Lord. And then Ezra says he blessed the Lord. Now why did he bless the Lord? He blessed the Lord probably because, thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given us that we can read today. And the people's response was, amen and amen. In other words, they praised the Lord too. And then it says, they did what? They lifted up their hands. Now, were they worshiping the word? No. They were worshiping the one who gave his word. They were praising the one, and they were ultimately declaring their ultimate dependence on the God who gave them his word. You remember when your kids were little, and they got hurt, and they came running to you? What did they do? They threw their arms up in the air, and they said, probably in my house, mama, mama, mama. Would you take care of me? Why? Because they ultimately depended on you. That's what they did. They declared their dependence on God and thankfulness for the word he gave. And then it says, they bowed down with their heads bowed and they worshiped. Now, why do they worship? I'll tell you what I believe. Because this church, I mean, this, this group of people understood this. They understood that they were nobodies. And they understood that it was amazing that God would ever be mindful of them. Just like David said, well, who am I that you be mindful of me? And they were thankful that the God of creation, the God of all eternity, would love them so much that he would give them his word so that they could follow it and live their life. And they worshiped him. They didn't worship this book. They didn't worship the word of God. They worshiped the one who gave it. And I just want to tell you this morning, I want you to hear me this morning, if we're going to have a heart to renew, one of the elements that has to be in our life is we have to have a high view of God's word. Listen, I don't know if you thought, this is the breath of Almighty God. God breathed this out. Well, Doug, there's all these, I know that. That makes it even more awesome that God dealt with stupid humanity to speak through them to write down exactly what the creator wanted written down. Isn't it amazing that God could use people like that that are fallible, that are flawed, that are broken, just like you and just like me, to get his word out? And we have to have a high view. Listen, this book should never be something that collects dust in your room. This is the letter of God to your heart and to your, the way he wants you to live, and we need to break the binding and start reading it. we got to have a high view of God's word. If we're going to renew... We've got to have a high view. Then the last thing I want you to notice about this, it's found in verse 9. The last thing that we need to have in our life. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord our, your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of God, as they heard the wall. All the people wept. Listen, if we're going to have a spirit of renewal in us, not only do we need to have a hunger for God's word, we need to have an attentiveness to God's word, we need to have a high view of God's word. The last thing is this, we need to be, be willing to repent after hearing God's word. Why would they weep? Because when the word of God was read, it exposed the sinfulness of their own heart. You ever have that happen to you? You ever read God's word? And God just begins to reveal and expose the wretchedness of your own heart, but also expose the grace that he loves you with and the grace that he cares for you and the forgiveness you've received? Sure. And I'm sure, I don't, I don't know what Ezra read at this point. We know he probably didn't read the whole thing, not enough time. He read snippets. Maybe he read the snippet of Adam and Eve, who God had created perfectly in the garden. And they decided God was holding out on them, so they gave into temptation and brought sin into the world. Maybe they read that. Maybe he read the story of Noah, that God found nobody righteous but Noah, and he destroyed a world but saved Noah's family. Maybe he read that one. 
Maybe you read how the people of Israel got the law from God about how to live and how to, how to interact with people and how to, how to be a beacon of light, but how they refused to do that and they rebelled and they rebelled and they rebelled and they rebelled. I don't know what Ezra read, but whatever Ezra read, the Holy Spirit used it in the life of the Israelites and it brought them to a place of weeping and mourning over their sin. And I'm just telling you, I think in the church we live in today, not this church, but the church as a whole, too many of us are not broken of our own sin. I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody because I'm starting with this guy on the stage. Listen, we should be broken and mourning and weeping over the sin that's in our life. It should bother us. It should wreck us that we, were, that we intentionally rebel against a holy God. It should wreck us. And if we're going to have a spirit of renewal, there needs to be repentance after we hear God's word. Now, just real quickly before we close today, I want you to hear this. We're going to go back to one more point. When you look at Israel, this was a sweet time of renewal for them. They were hungering for God's word. They were attentive to God's word. They had this high view of God's word, and they were repenting over the brokenness that was exposed after hearing God's word. But here's what I don't want you to miss in this passage. What was the result of the renewal process they were going through? Look with me in verse 9 through 12. I don't want you to miss this because this is crucial. What was the result of this renewal? And Nehemiah, who was a governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe of the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Listen to this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat and fat, uh, eat, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way, eat and drink and send portions to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Here was the, res the result of the renewal that happened. You ready? The result, the renewal led to revival. Renewal led to revival. Here's what I mean. When you look at this passage, you see what Ezra told these people? He said, don't mourn. Don't weep. Why? Because God has delivered them, right? I mean, God's brought them out of captivity. The wall has been built. They have a home. They have a future. They have a temple. They are back on track to being the beacon of light God wanted them to be. Hey, don't mourn. This is not a time for sorrow. This is a time for joy. That's why he says, the, this day is holy to the Lord. The wall is done, and here's what God wants for you. He wants you to rest, remember, eat, and drink. He wants you to celebrate what he's done. And then he says this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, meaning the foundation of your joy is not your circumstances, it's your rescuer. Are you with me on that? It's not your circumstances, it's Jesus himself. And what happened in Israel was this, is when they had this spirit to renew themselves to the Lord, God revived something in them. And you know what he revived? Joy. Anybody ever lost your joy? Come on. Anybody ever lost your joy? Man, I have. You know, David prayed that prayer, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You remember that one? And I'm just telling you, I believe with everything in me, if you and I want, if you and I really want renewal to take place in our life, we've got to ask the Lord, would you give me a greater hunger for your word? Would you give me a greater attentiveness and respect for your word? 
Lord, would you, would you, would you uh, just do something in my life, Lord? Would you bless me in such a powerful way, Lord? Would you give me a heart that is willing to repent, Lord? And ultimately, Lord, if I do that, would you bring revival to my soul? Would you bring the joy back? Now, just a quick question. Don't raise your hand. Don't clap. Don't say amen. Just, just answer this one. How many of us really want revival in our hearts this morning? I don't know about you, but when you walk out that door, this world is living to just knock you out. The enemy just wants to knock you down. The enemy wants to rob you of your joy. That's why Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have an enemy. And there's many of us in the room today, I hope our prayers, I want revival. I want revival in my soul. I want joy to be restored. I want joy and revival to break out in my church. I want revival to break out in my small groups. I want revival to break out in my community. I want to see God show up and show out in a way that blows my mind. And I hope we want that. But it begins with renewal. God, would you give me a heart more for your word? Lord, would you give me a greater tenderness and respect? And God, would you break my heart to where I would repent of my sin? Now, I know for many of us in the room, you're like, Doug, if I, do, if I pray that prayer, because listen, listen, if we pray that prayer, will God do that for you? Come on, if you pray that prayer, will God do that for you? That's one of those prayers you don't have to ask, is this God's will or not? It is God's will. If you say, God, would you give me a greater hunger for your word? He's not going to go, no, I don't think I'm going to do that one. No, he's going to do that. But for some of you, here's what I know about you because I know it about me. When we understand that what the, what's at stake if we really pray those kinds of prayers, we know this, that it means something might have to drastically change in our life. Something might have to drastically change in our schedules. We know something drastically is going to have to change. And so maybe this morning what you need is a spiritual push. Can I tell you the greatest push I think we can ever come to in Scripture? It's remembering what Christ has done for us. And the way we do that as believers is what? We take the Lord's Supper. And see, I'm saying this because if we want renewal, I think one of the greatest pathways to having a heart willing to renew is by first remembering what Jesus has done for me. I don't know if you've thought about this lately, but we're all pretty wretched, aren't we? We're all pretty broken. Listen, there's not one of us in the room that deserve heaven apart from faith in Christ. And you think about the love of Jesus. He didn't just talk about his love. He demonstrated it, right? And his body was beaten and bruised and brutalized, and his blood was shed. And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus in the room today, here's what I want to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you, as you, if you feel led, that you might come up here and you might grab one of these prepackaged kind of Lord's Suppers. We're trying to stay COVID-free here and, and protect everyone. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this back to your seat. And as we sing maybe one of the greatest songs in Christendom, in my opinion, as you feel led, as you feel like you really remember the price that he paid for you, the body that was beaten, the blood that was shed. I'm going to ask you to peel that first layer back and just take the bread. And as you thank him for the bread, then peel the next layer back and then take the juice, thinking about the blood that was shed. And as you take the Lord's Supper this morning, let this be a catalyst. Let this be a push for us to have a heart that's willing to renew. May remembering us, remembering what Christ has done for us, lead us to have a heart to renew. A heart to say, Lord, give me a greater hunger. Lord, give me greater tenderness and respect. Lord, help me get to a place where I can repent. May, may remembering lead us to renewing. If that makes sense this morning, would you just say amen?
And so I'm going to ask you as believers to do that. And let me say this. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. As we take this supper, this is all about the love that God has for us. And you know where it's found? In the Word. This Word tells me the depth, the width, how God loves me. What He's done for me. When I read the Bible, listen, and you know this, when you read the Bible in the Old Testament, God should have had every right to give up on those people. Every right to discount them, write them off, and say, I will start fresh with somebody else. Kind of like Bill Cosby used to say, you know, your mom may brought you in this world, but I can take you out and make another one just like you, right? I mean, there would be a moment where God could have said, listen, I'm done with you, Israel. I'm going to go after Egypt, but he didn't. Isn't it good news to know that God never gives up on you? And this book tells us that. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ today, this book is a picture and a story of how God loves you and what he's done for you. And maybe today you just need to receive that. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on a cross because you love me. And I want to surrender my life to you. So if you don't know Christ today, would you respond to that? And for believers, as soon as I say amen, the table's open. And may our remembering lead us to renewing. Let's all stand together if you would. Let's everybody stand with me if you would. Everybody stand, every head bowed. And every eye closed. Just right where you find yourself. Just ask yourself this basic question this morning. If you don't know Christ, do you want to know him? He's not hiding from you. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you got to do is call out to him and say, Lord Jesus... I surrender my life. Be the boss and master of it. And he will. And if you do that today, I would love to know about that. But for believers, here's the question I want you to ask. Do you want revival to break out in your heart? In your marriages? In your homes? In your church? In your community? If revival is going to break out, it's got to start with renewal. It's got to start with us renewing our devotion, loyalty, and love to the Lord. And so this morning, if you're that believer that says, you know what, I'm struggling with a nudge, man, this Lord's Supper can nudge you. Maybe this morning you need to come and you take the supper, and as you remember what he's done, may that lead us to have a heart of renewing. So as the Lord leads you to do that, would you do that? And today, if some of you I know have some dietary issues, some gluten issues, you know, Randy Walker, one of our deacons off to the right, he's got some gluten-free stuff if you need that. But I just don't want us to lose the intensity of this moment. That by remembering what Christ has done for me can be the push that I need to pray the prayer asking God to give me a renewed spirit, to devote myself greater to him, to redeclare my loyalty, my passion, and my love to him. May this supper do that for us this morning. God, I love you. I thank you for the story of Nehemiah. God, I guess I'm a little bit overwhelmed as I read the story because these people moved from captivity to opposition. And when the wall was built, Lord, where do they turn? They turned to you. A nation that had often rebelled against you, a nation that often walked away from you, a nation that had often doubted you, and this moment they turned to you and they were hungry for your word. They were attentive for your word. They were respectful to your word. They repented after hearing your word. And because of this heart of renewal, Lord, you brought revival in their midst. In fact, after this story, Lord, they break out with this major feast celebrating your faithfulness to them. God, I so desperately want that for my life. 
I so desperately want that for our church. But God, I know revival, the, the precursor, the prerequisite for revival is renewal. And I know for many of us, Lord, that we know that's a big prayer to pray. We know a lot of change is going to have to happen if we pray those prayers. And so maybe today, Lord, as we remember through the Lord's Supper, as we remember what you've done for us, maybe that will compel us and motivate us to pray those prayers. God, I ask you just to take all the, all the confusing things that maybe I said this morning, and would you just bring their clarity? Out of all the minds wandering this morning, Lord, would you just give them focus? And Lord, in this moment, in the sweetness of this moment, may we truly remember the price that you paid and may we worship you because of it. For it's in your precious and your holy sin's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you feel led, the table's open.